0: On a Sunday to go to church. So we landed here in Padstow, and I quickly forgot about my old church. I started to get involved in things literally within two or three weeks. I became a Sunday school leader. Not long after that, I um, got involved on the worship team. More importantly, I started to make friends, and some of those friends have quite literally become my extended family. church here became home. I felt like I belonged. I felt like this was a community that I could be a part of. However, about six years later, when I was 19, things started to change for me. I began to pull out of things. I stopped being a Sunday school teacher. I stopped being involved in worship. And eventually, I got to the point where for a period of time, I stopped coming to church altogether. And I believe that in hindsight, I was experiencing shame. Our theme as a church this year is forward and Nathan's been preaching through a series on roadblocks to us moving forward. And so this morning, we want to look at shame. I'm going to briefly touch a little bit on guilt and what the difference is between guilt and shame. But I'm going to focus on shame and how it can stop us from moving forward and to entering into all of the wonderful things that God has for our future. So let's start by looking at guilt. Guilt is the awareness of failure against a standard law or code. It can be fact, for instance... If I was to go and steal Matt's guitar, which is missing, but if I was to go find it and steal it, then I'm guilty of stealing. It can also be a feeling. If I'm to yell at my husband, which of course would never happen, I might feel guilty for yelling at him. Now, shame is closely related to guilt, but it is different And as I've been studying this the last fortnight, I've realised it's really, really, really complex. And this might go horribly wrong, but let's just see. I want you to turn to the person next to you and spend 30 seconds trying to come up with a definition for shame. Go. Okay, time's up. Who's willing to? Sh- oh, are you okay? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Thanks, baby. <laughs> Are you okay good he's hurt his knee and can I point out that he's been he went to healing rooms this week and there was so much of a line that he didn't get in that's that's pretty cool hey (laughs) not cool not cool that he didn't get prayer but cool that there's so many people wanting wanting um wanting prayer that's pretty cool um who would like to share the definition they came up with awesome it it is a roadblock (laughs) yep yep Kerry yep something someone else has put on you Rachel feeling unworthy to move Saskia yep All very, very, very good definitions. But you can see that there is a a complexity to it because it can be a number of different things. Now, shame is a consequence of sin. Um, And, you know, we've all experienced it from one time or another. It can be a negative emotion caused by the awareness that we've done something wrong or that we have wronged someone else. Or as Kerry said, someone has done something wrong by us. Shame can be um, caused by a hurt reputation or an embarrassment, in Mark's case. Whether or not this is due to sin, it's not necessarily because of something we've done wrong. Shame can also be a sense of failure in someone else's eyes, in God's eyes or in our own eyes. As Saskia said, shame impacts deeply on our identity and who we think that we are and it's often characterised by words like worthlessness and I'm not good enough. Now there's heaps of stuff that can lead us to feeling shame. It can be shame, we can feel shame because of things that we've done wrong, we might feel shame because of lust, because of a sexual history, um, because of lying... We might feel shame about habits. We might feel shame about what we did on the weekend, even maybe what we did last night. We might feel shame because of stuff that's happened in our past. We might feel that we're not good enough to be a wife. We might feel we're not good enough to be a husband. We might feel shame around the fact that we're single. We might feel shame about our body. We might feel shame about the way we look, our social status... And we might feel shame because somebody's done something to us that was completely out of our control, but now we're left with this overwhelming feeling of I'm unworthy and I'm not good enough. Where guilt is a negative feeling because of something that we've done, shame is when I begin to see myself negatively. Shame focuses on who I am. Now, I said before, as a church, it's our desire for us to move forward. We want to move forward into all the greatness and the goodness and the wonderful things that God has for our future. He has a plan. He has a purpose for every single individual in this place. But whenever you've gone to step forward, have you ever felt, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. What if they find out I'm a fake? You've got nothing to offer. What if they knew what you've done? What if they knew about that thing that you're trying to hide? This is the voice of shame. So this morning it's our goal and I believe that God's already begun to do this is for us to smash through that roadblock so that we can step forward into all that God has for us. So I think I'm just going to stop now and I'm going to pray that God will do that and that our ears will be open to hearing from him this morning. God, I want to thank you that you know each person in this place. I want to thank you that your hand is upon each person and I thank you that you have a plan and you have a purpose for each person. And God, I want to pray that as you continue to work in this service this morning that you would be speaking directly to our hearts. I thank you that it is, our, it is your desire this morning for us to be free of of guilt and shame. And so Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Now the first record that we have of people experiencing shame was right back at the beginning in Genesis 3. We're going to read from verses 1 to 13. It says the serpent was the craftiest of all the, world's anim- of all the wild, wild animals that the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment their eyes were opened and they, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, that's why I ate it. We've just read the record of the fall of Adam and Eve from being perfect to becoming imperfect. Genesis three seven tells us what happens to both Adam and Eve when they ate from the forbidden fruit. For the first time, they are ashamed of their nakedness. Up until this point, they were naked and they felt no shame. In Genesis 2.25, it says that Now the man and his wife were both naked but they felt no shame. And now here we are only seven verses later and sin has brought this new horrific feeling of shame. And with this new feeling Adam and Eve respond in three ways. The first thing they do is they cover up their bodies. Now I went into my backyard last night and unfortunately I don't have a fig tree. So I found the biggest leaves that I could find and I'm not quite sure what kind of tree it is but this, this was how big they were. And I'm, I'm going to get someone to um, come up the front. <laughs> I'm just going to pick someone at random. This young gentleman down here looks like he'll do <laughs> It's okay, I'm not going to ask him to take his clothes off. <laughs> but I just want to demonstrate what it kind of might have looked like. <laughs> now, I forgot to bring my sewing, my sewing kit, so I'm going I'm to... Use- It didn't really work. (laughs) I imagine they they sewed them together, so they might have had quite a few. And where did did they get the sewing kit from? Like, has anyone ever thought that? When Mark woke up this morning, I was sitting on the lounge reading the Bible. (laughs) And he walked out, and the first thing I said to him was, where did they get the sewing kit from? And he's like, good morning to you as well. So as we can see, it probably doesn't really do the job all that well of covering up the nakedness. Thank you, you can sit down. (laughs) You're a very good model, babe. Thank you. That was just a bit of fun. They covered their bodies with an inadequate mean. In order to regain a sense of the honourable feeling that they were feeling, seven verses earlier, they sewed these fig leaves together to try and cover themselves. God had created them to rule and to reign over the earth, and now here they are feeling unworthy, ashamed, embarrassed, and covered in fig leaves. I can't imagine that would be all that comfortable either. This is humanity's first attempt to cover personal shame through their own methods and we've been doing so ever since. We use inadequate means to cover up our feelings of shame. For example, a victim of, of abuse may abuse other people to cover up the feeling of shame that they're feeling. If we feel that we're not good enough, we may cover up this feeling by striving for perfe- per- perfection. A person who feels shame for mistreating a loved one may cover this up ...by avoiding that person. A person who doesn't love themselves may cover this up... ...by constantly pointing out flaws in other people. We also use inadequate means to try and cover up the emotional pain... ...associated with shame. We can use things like food, sex, television, drugs... ...alcohol, work and relationships. All as things to try and attempt to cover up the pain... Of shame. But the problem with fig leaves is they fall apart. And just like fig leaves fall apart, the inadequate means that we use to try and cover up what we're feeling will also eventually fall apart. The second response that Adam and Eve had to their feeling of shame was that they hid from God. When God walks into the garden, Adam and Eve's first response is to hide from him. How on earth do you hide from God? But this was their response. They sensed that something wasn't just wrong with what they had done, But something was wrong with who they were. And it's also our natural inclination to hide when we're experiencing shame. We may hide from God, but we also hide from each other. When I started this morning, I said that at the age of 19, I withdrew from church. I withdrew from the people of God. I was hiding from God and I was hiding from his people. I'd made some pretty unwise decisions about my life. I was going against what God's desire was for my life. And I felt shame. I felt like I'd stuffed it. I felt like I, had, um, I, felt like I wasn't worthy to be called a Christian. And I felt like other people would see me the same way so my natural response was to hide, was to not come to church, was to not engage with Christians, was to not engage with God. I felt worthless. I felt embarrassed because of the decisions that I had made. And so my response was to hide. The third response that Adam and Eve had was to blame each other. Adam blamed Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And possibly Adam is even blaming God when he says, it's the woman that you gave me. Shame often leads to us trying to regain some honour by belittling others or falsely accusing other people. So we resort to blaming as a way of avoiding what's really going on. You know, the decision that Adam and Eve made to eat the forbidden fruit changed everything forever. The unhindered relationship with God was now broken and they themselves were now broken. It wasn't just a matter that they had done something wrong, but their very nature was now sinful. And this is the same for every single person that's ever been ever since. The feeling of shame that I'm not what I ought to be is because of sin. It's true. We are not what we ought to be. I'm not good enough. Things look different to what they're meant to be because against the holiness and the greatness of our God, we don't match up. But let's have a look at how God responded to Adam and Eve. In verse 21... Of Genesis 3, it says that the Lord God made clothing from animal, animal skins from Adam, for Adam and his wife. As we said before, Adam and Eve's response was to grab some leaves and to try and cover themselves. It didn't work. And now we read that God takes the life of an innocent animal and provides a permanent covering for their nakedness. And many Bible scholars believe that this action taken by God points towards what Jesus would eventually do on the cross. On the cross, Jesus provides a permanent solution for all of humanity's sin and shame. On the cross, Jesus restored that broken relationship between mankind and God. And he made a way for things that ought to be, to be that again. And so for those of us here this morning who have put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ, then sin, guilt and shame have been defeated at the cross. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin and your shame. He sees you as someone who is good enough. He doesn't see you as bad or as unworthy or as unlovable. He sees you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. When he looks at you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus. He sees you just as if you have never sinned. You are perfect in his eyes. This is really exciting news So why do I still struggle with shame? I think that Galatians 5.17 gives us some insight to why we still struggle with shame. It says that the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. As followers of Jesus, we have been given the Holy Spirit and we've been clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but we still have a sinful nature. And so these two things are constantly fighting with each other. So that means that sometimes we still stuff up, we still get it wrong. People still hurt us, people still let us down and when we don't deal with those things, we can experience shame. So if you're struggling with shame this morning for one of those many different reasons and the list is endless, there's so many reasons why you could be, it is God's desire for you this morning to get free. Our natural response to shame is to cover it up and to hide away from God and from each other, just like Adam and Eve did. But doing so traps us in our shame. It traps us in our past and it causes shame to grow. If shame flourishes when it's covered up and when it's hidden, then the antidote is to bring it out into the open. So the first step to getting free this morning is to get real. It's one of the things that we value here as a church is getting real with one another. To tell someone what's going on, what's happened and how you're feeling. The second step is repentance. Maybe either for something that has happened or maybe for seeing yourself in a way that is different to what the Bible says about you. And thirdly, depending on the situation, it may be appropriate to forgive somebody, somebody who has shamed you. Depending on the severity of the situation, this can be really, really difficult. And so if you're not at a place this morning where you feel like you can do that, then maybe the first step is just to ask God for help to be able to forgive. And finally, make a decision to believe the truth about who God says you are. As a church, we have a responsibility to help people find freedom from shame. As you can see, I eventually returned to church here. <laughs> it took me about a year or so, actually I can't really remember how long it took, but I think it was about a year. <laughs> I made a decision to come back to God and to the people that I was hiding from. And this is what I found. I found a a group of people who loved me, who called out the greatness that God had placed in me. I repented from the stuff that I had done, and I made a decision to live differently. And people got around me and reminded me of who I was in Jesus, and I began to see myself differently. I no longer felt unworthy and like I wasn't good enough to carry the name of a Christian, my feelings of worthlessness and embarrassment were replaced with peace, relief and a hope. We saw this demonstrated in an incredible way when we were in Cambodia two years ago. Mark and I had the privilege of, vis- of visiting with um, a rescue home for girls who had been forced into prostitution. Now, these girls had experienced unthinkable things, abuse that had been broken and crushed and disappointed by people that they trusted. However, when they came into the safe and supportive environment of the rescue home where they were cared for and they were accepted and they were told that they were worthy of love, they began to thrive. Cambodia is a society that says that you should feel shame because of what you've experienced But here in the rescue home, they were experiencing a godly culture that said different. See, shame depends on us buying into the belief that we are unworthy, damaged or not good enough. And so when we choose to reject that and we choose to embrace the identity of who Christ says we are, then we can live free of shame. So this morning I want to call three groups of people. Firstly, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, or if you have in the past but right now you're not living in a way that honours him, then I'd like to give you the opportunity to change that this morning. As I said earlier, without Jesus we remain trapped in our sin and our shame. But when we put our faith and our trust in him... We are given a new identity. Jesus restores our relationship with God and when God looks at us, he sees us as if we've never sinned. This incredible gift is available for you this morning. The second group I want to speak to this morning is the Christians who are struggling with feelings of shame. If when you go to step forward into the plans and purposes that God has for your life, if you are stopped by a feeling of I'm not good enough, then let me encourage you to get real with someone this morning and to share what's going on in your life. The person who prays with you may lead you through a prayer of repentance if that's what's needed. But then they're going to speak truth over you and remind you of who you are in Christ. And finally, I want to speak to everybody in the room. I want each of us to make a decision to be individuals and a church who regularly remind each other of our identity in Christ. We're going to get told by the world all the time the opposite. So we need to be a place that we speak life into one another, to be a church who calls out the gold that is in one another. You know, people are going to make mistakes, they're going to stuff up, but that doesn't mean we rule them out. Jesus doesn't condemn us, so let's not be people who condemn one another. God doesn't want anyone to remain trapped in their sin and their shame, so he wants us to be people who help others to move forward. But before I invite the worship team to come up the front to pray with people this morning, I just want to remind us and I think Matt mentioned this earlier this morning that we have an enemy who loves to speak discouragement into our lives with his lies. He's, he loves to see us believe the negative things about ourselves because When he can get us to believe that, then we are stuck. So tomorrow morning, if you wake up and you start to have thoughts in your head of, I can't and I'm not, then I want to encourage you to speak out, I am and I can. To declare the word of God over your life. You know, in Matthew 4, Jesus spoke back to the devil when the devil spoke things that weren't true to him. He spoke scripture. And so whether it's the devil putting it in our heads or it's just our own thinking, speak scripture over yourself. So what I'd like to do now is I'd like everyone just to close their eyes. And I'm going to speak truth over each person in this place this morning who calls themselves a follower of Jesus. If you uh, love Jesus this morning, then the Bible says in Philippians 4.13 that you can do all things through him. In John 15.16, it says that you are chosen. Ephesians 2.10 says you are designed for good works. 2 Corinthians Corinthians 5.17 says you are a new creation. Colossians 3.12 says, You are loved. Romans 15.7 says, You are accepted. 1 John 1.9, You are forgiven. Ephesians 2.22, You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5.1, You are free. Romans 8.37, You are victorious. Ephesians 1.7, you are redeemed. Ephesians 4.24, you are righteous. 1 Peter one twenty three, you are a precious child of God. God, I thank you for the truth of your word. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break the shackles of shame this morning. That Holy Spirit, you would come and you would bring freedom in this place. Holy Spirit, come and do a work in our lives this morning. We thank you for who you say we are in Jesus. And we choose to stand on that this morning, to believe that, to live our lives in that manner. God, we thank you that you are already working, that you're already beginning to break the shackles of shame this morning and God I look forward to incredible testimonies that's going that are going to come from what you're doing in this place right now in Jesus name amen so I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward and a few extras to come forward and they're going to stand along the front this morning and if you fit into category one or two then I'd love to invite you to come forward and one of these wonderful people will pray with you and they will speak this over your life. And if you'd like to take that home with you, you can take a photo or there's printed copies up the front on the stage as well. Be released.